Va a ser en español. Por favor. <coughs> a ver, di algo. Bienvenidos a Strong Radio. <laughs> brought to you by. We're keeping Bimbo. Or brought to you by. No, we can't. Into a Bimbo. Carbs. Bread. Who can, who can we endorse? Agua. Agua del Simpsons. Agua de coco. <laughs> Sin azúcar. Sin azúcar. Orgánico. Bienvenidos to the of the Field Radio. We're gonna keep that. You're not recording this, are Yes, you? it's recording. I'm for sure you're gonna keep it. Jesus. Are you kidding me? That was Ronnie, by the way. Welcome back, Internet, to Strongest on the Field Radio. This is Juan G from Deuce Gym, Venice, California. This is Chris P from Deuce Athletics in Torrance. This is Ronnie from Torrance, Deuce Athletics. <laughs> nice. We almost got it. 6 a.m. on a Sunday. Uh, everyone's a little fatigued. <clears throat> it's okay. We got stuff to do, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, today we're going to talk about what, Chris? Could you lead us through the questions? What are some common injuries we see in soccer, baseball, and football, and basketball? And how can we address these in the weight room? What are warm-ups for each individual sport? Why do injuries occur? What is repetitive stress? And responsibility of a sports coach, strength coach, and athlete for injury prevention? And who is responsible for rehab when injuries occur? So I think the way to go is talk broad about injuries, and then we can talk about common ones in in sports. Um, What are some common injuries we overall see in sports, Chris? A lot of hamstring um, pulls, a lot of hamstring pulls, a lot of patella tendinitis. Um, Tell me about it. I can share my story. Achilles, calves. Achilles, calves, obliques. Um, as far as obliques, obliques really? with baseball players, a lot of obliques. Are let's being... start with let's start with hamstrings. What do you? Why do we think they get blown out, strained, whatever it is? Very underdeveloped. Uh, a lot of people focus on the quads. They focus on the squat, which is good. But I feel like uh, a lot of people do the squat the wrong way. And they not don't not to depth, not to depth. Which is the, the reason is a building a healthy relationship between every muscle, front and back, a sound and balanced body, right? And that's why we need to go full range. Yeah, the partial it doesn't give us justice. It doesn't develop the full range of motion. And then when we ask athletes to go into weird places, they just can't go there, and bad stuff happens. Um, sorry to cut you off. No, I was. I mean, that's. Uh, I was going with that, and also very. A lot of people forget to strengthen the ligat, ligaments and tendons of the body. So the muscles grow a lot quicker. The ligaments and tendons take some time to develop, and we do these through high reps. Uh, we like to do them here at Deuce Athletics with a lot of band work, uh, a lot of light weight, and a lot of high reps on that part. But very underdeveloped. Um, Ligament and tendons on, on, is from what I see is why these uh, hamstrings happen. Hamstring pulls, hamstring um, ha- hamstring injuries happen all the time. The, the lack of strength that Chris talks about is a major factor with younger athletes. But there's also this lack of positional education. So knowing how to properly cut, change direction, jump in, how to land. 
Injuries don't happen when you leave the ground. Injuries happen when you land. Yes. Right? So the breaking motion a lot of times is also a factor just because a lot more stress than the actual go concentric part. Um, yeah. So the, those are two facets that we like to focus on with our younger athletes is developing the strength in areas that they overlook. And, I mean, when it comes to the, all the muscle groups Chris just named, they're not the ones that will get you attention. Like having no. big hamstrings aren't going to not, not gonna get not any sexy. looks. They're not. They're not sexy. No it's not going to get no you. No legs for hamstrings. No. Quads? Yes. Because it's all, so basically all the muscles in the back of your body get left out. Get left out because you don't see them and therefore you don't Be careful with the person who massive lats and hamstring. I'm scared of that person. I remember um, John Wilborn. He's uh, the power athlete creator and he mentioned that in the NFL you want to be aware of the guys he's scared more of the guys who have a big posterior chain big back because they have force producers and it's 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 it makes sense if you see someone with a wide back big backside and that's that's a telltale sign that they know how to how to how produce to force yeah they know how to train they put time in i'm scared of that version yeah big biceps big chest small small legs doesn't doesn't intimidate don't forget about my calves yeah, big calves. let's go. Big calves, yeah. Um, it's so it's important to, as a strength coach, to bring awareness to athletes who are trying to play for a long time. That bulletproof. We, yeah, we have to bulletproof athletes. We have to develop that um, whole body, whole body connectedness, and it comes through those through all, all the the way Chris mentioned. Should we jump into specific ones that occur? Uh, I, I'll start with soccer. It's usually uh, hamstrings, calves, Achilles. Uh, we just talked about it. I think uh, a great way to, I would love to see like a whole soccer team be able to do 10 unassisted GHRs. I'd be scared of that team. Uh, simple stuff like that. We've mentioned in the past, it's not necessarily the goal to be lifting massive weight in the weight room. Uh, the things that would matter here that are more important is being able to do, like, glute hamstring raises. The the smaller stuff that produce force would be the biggest thing for your buck. Like, even if we're still learning how to squat, everyone's le- scared to squat, um, fine. Let's do accessory work that focuses on the things that help our sport specifically. Do you guys want to talk about uh, baseball, whom we can... Talk about football and basketball together. Yeah. Um, so the biggest thing that we see in baseball is our hamstring issues. Like Chris mentioned, obliques, rotator cuff issues. Tell me about these obliques. That was surprising me. The obliques, for those who don't know, are the, the sidewalls of your of your trunk, your core. And we, the action of baseball is this rotational action. And you're, you rotate in one direction the whole, time. the whole time, whether you're throwing or hitting. They're, it's very um, not, it's not common to see someone who, can, who has to throw one side but then hits the other. Sean Gowers, he throws lefty. 
No, he throws righty, but he hits lefty, so he's getting rotational forces in both direction. But most people, if they throw righty, they rotate or they hit right, so that means they're rotating in the same, same direction. Way. So think about doing That's that. That's a lot of force. Yeah, max effort every single swing. So think about doing that for 10 years by the age of 18. You're already and 10 strength years. coaches are the ones that get uh, athletes injured, right? It's it's such a big issue, right? Weightlifting is dangerous, not sports, right? Yeah. And we can get this when, when – well, I'll just talk about it now. When you look at football, and football, there's this big mm, taboo about training the neck. It's so sensitive. The neck is an area we don't want to train. You're going into a car crash every play. It, that's exactly the point. A car crash. And so, you want to have a weak neck? There's 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 doctors who say no, it's a very sensitive area. I'm not a doctor, so I'm I'm not gonna. I'm just, I can only speak from what I believe right, and what if I see. Go to the field. It was up to you. you. You're gonna have the biggest, strongest body suit as possible. Exactly. If I have a football team, I want to make sure they have very strong necks. So the 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 idea is, oh, it's bad to train the the top end of the spine, but the, but you're telling me it's okay for them to play the sport. When, have you seen the sport? You know what happens on the field? These guys are colliding head on. And you think the neck is just ignored? That is a big... If you have a weak neck, you're you're in trouble. Especially at a higher level when guys are bigger, stronger, faster. That train is just coming harder. There's more power. So that's the biggest... So it goes back to, yeah, you think strength, the weight room is dangerous? How about the sport? And for you to say that... What we do in the weight room is is dangerous. That's just ignorance. It's for sure, the safest environment we can put our athletes in. It's a controlled environment. Uh, you can modify it if need be. You have coaches' eyes on you during every rep, every movement. <laughs> so it's something that we always have to battle. Like I, th- I think all of us start training athletes who come in already injured. And we tell them this is exactly why you need to be training. You need to build a healthy relationship uh, between every moving part of your body. It's it's scary to see young athletes be injured so early on. I think injuries are going to happen regardless yeah. of what sport we play. But the if we have a good strength and conditioning program, if we're in a good strength and conditioning program, that could be the difference between a tear and a pull when it comes to an injury. So do we want to be injured for a week or do we want to be injured for three to six months? That's a good point. Injuries happen. It's not if they're gonna if they're gonna happen, it's when it's gonna happen. So knowing that, let's give the athlete the best chance of success by bulletproofing, by preparing their body for what they might see on the field. Should we talk about, we talked about football. Uh, Are there any other common injuries in football or basketball? I'm guessing basketball, since I always see ankles being taped up. uh, So that combination of everything below the knee gets pretty beat up. There's a lot of jumping. They're big players, tall players. I think um, the biggest thing we can give them is eccentric ability strengthening that um so their breaking ability when they land um and i know you're probably going to talk about their posture and position when they land 
mm-hmm. um, is the biggest At a young thing, age. At a sure. young age, learning those mechanics. Because once they're older, they're just going to be sticking to whatever they've been taught. And it's hard to reteach them at that point. Um, it's Basketball is a, is a unique sport in that it looks like it's not physical, but I recently went to... Did I speak about this the last mm-hmm. episode? It's okay. I don't think anyone listened to the last one. We can <laughs> talk about it again. I just went to an eighth grade level basketball game, and it is a very physical sport. The young young athletes are fighting to get under the rim, fighting for position. There's elbows flying. There's a lot of pushing, a lot of shouldering. It's a very physical sport. So it might be more physical at the middle school age than the actual NBA, huh? It could be, <laughs> but it is no. But it's it goes. I think it, you might have a point there. <laughs> it's it's important for everyone to know that if you have two athletes under the basket and they're fighting for position, the stronger athlete, it's going to win. They're going to be able to move the, the other athlete out of position. And that's when you, you run into issues. So basketball, it's, it's ankles, it's knees, a lot of knees and back. When we trained West, uh, West basketball, we heard a lot of back just because they're so long and, and there's that tremendous weakness in the posterior chain for those long guys. Long torso to control, long stability. A long femurs too. So Everything. Everything's just long. And the, the taller you are, the, the stronger <laughs> the breaks that you need. One, yeah. one thing that I've noticed with basketball players is they don't squat in the weight room. Um, the reason for that is... They're too tall. They're too tall. They shouldn't squat. But... So what, they don't go poop? What, what, um, how beneficial is the squat... For, but they squat every day for basketball Wait, players. That's a good point. I never heard that one. That's a good one. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> no, go for it. Um, no, no, he's dead. No, yeah, I was just saying how beneficial is the squat for a basketball player? How much, how much strength do we get in the knee area, uh, ankles, um, to create that mobility in those areas? Yeah, I'd rather see full depth. I think we've all encountered um, trying to coach tall people. A really good way to go about it is use a target. Box squats are great. And then as they get more comfortable, um, you can start to lower the box uh, to increase that range of motion. The whole goal is creating a healthy relationship between front side of your leg, back side of your leg, uh, I think is what would keep them the safest over a long period of time. Or we can go into a sumo box squat. Or a sumo deadlift, it keeps their back in a better position. It works the hips and the glutes because of the lateral movements that's happening in the sport. So we can also go that way too. Another safe way to keep um, the athletes safe and getting them stronger in here. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a cop out for coaches to not train the squat for so you don't know what you're doing is what you're telling me, coach. And therefore they. Just brush it off and ignore it. Not and, and that, it. And instead of facing it straight on. So, if you're a coach and you feel that I don't want to injure my players, well, find some, find a professional, find someone who is knowledgeable in the in training athletes, and don't, but don't hold the athlete back by ignoring the situation. And that goes to the idea that squatting is bad. Well. I mean, they, they're athletes. They should have 
full range of motion. If you don't train the full range of motion, you are leaving an, an, a certain posture or a certain position for the athlete that's untrained. And the, at the point that he finds himself in that posture and position that is untrained, now boom, he's, gone. yeah, boom. You there, lost your player. There goes the knee because he was. The team. There goes the team. He he didn't know how to control how to control his knee in that position, and the, he was pushed and boom. Here we go. Now he's out for the season. So for for athletes to not train something because they feel is dangerous or don't know why, nah, that's that's not a good approach. Find someone who knows how to do it, but they should be training full range of motion. We see that a lot too with baseball players. Um, they're overhead. Overhead. Um, if we if we're in this overhead position all the time in the sport, why not train for that overhead position in the sport? We have to be able to stabilize all the muscles around that shoulder if we really want to maintain a healthy a healthy body through the season. I think the best thing. Well, I don't know how much you guys do with strict press just screams at me to be like the one to develop building a healthy relationship between both shoulders and both scaps yeah it's it's very important and chris if you want to talk about ways to um do you guys do strictly strict press do you also uh train with push press and push jerks at all i'd say or do you guys stay more in the strict development we'll sprinkle in some push jerks every now and then, but for the most part, we stay strict with everything that we do. Uh, we're trying to develop true strength, so there's no reason for us to mix in those push presses and push jerks as often as other gyms do. Yeah, with the, the when we go overhead, it's mostly in a strict fashion. We want control. We want that pure strength development. Um, we, we, do miss, we do mix in a, a jerk variation to maybe... For conditioning purposes? <laughs> no, not conditioning. We do it to build some coordination, some balance, some overall strength. You don't want to be jerking uh, in a very fast pace because then now you're putting the athlete. Who knows? The athlete gets fatigued. Now, Definitely not with a novice athlete. Maybe someone who's a lot more experienced. Yeah. Even then, jerking under pressure, time under, uh, under time constraints, now you're risking stuff. But... Um, going back to the shoulder thing and going, oh, it's like sort of like the neck thing that I mentioned. So if a parent says, oh, it's bad for him to press overhead like that. I don't know if that's good for his shoulder. Have you seen the sport? What is he doing? He is going overhead max velocity. And for you to say that it's dangerous for us to try and develop strength. In a controlled environment. In a controlled environment and develop overall. Proper warm-up. Yeah. That's another thing. They we're don't talk even... about that's that's what we're gonna talk about next. So it's sort of the same there's the same logic logical approach for you to say that the weight room and, and training that position is dangerous when the field, the sport demand is to do that even more dynamically. When you look at the, the tackle, it's a very powerful crash. When you look at this overhead throw, it's a very powerful exertion. It's kind of it's a lot of load. Accomplish a task however you can at game time. Yeah, and so if you're if you're Hopefully untra- your training has been there, <laughs> and for most it's not because parents think it's dangerous, which blows my mind. Hopefully, we can change some people's minds. Um, post videos we've been 
posting a little bit more, a little bit more. I think times are starting to change where the overall feel and vibe is starting to become more accepted. And the next level is strength training, which is cool. Uh, so it's awesome to slowly see it evolve. It's also the fault of a lot of... Because there's no there's no screening process to be a coach, right? If you want to be a coach, you just... You can. There's many ways to do it, and so five hundred dollars for the book. Take the test. The study guide is online for free with all the answers. <laughs> I'm talking about my past experience. I won't name the organization, but did not set me up for success. So because it's the barrier to coaches entry, prep. coaches prep. Come to coaches prep. Come to coaches prep, man. That's if that's the that's the biggest coolest thing. Hands that, on. Yeah, hands on. Experience. Being put on the spot. But the uh, because it's so easy to be a coach, there's so many people who call themselves sport uh, um, performance coaches, and they do a poor job. And the kids start to complain of of, of soreness and injuries, and, and they start complaining that their body doesn't feel good. And now it becomes this: oh, weightlifting is coaches. dangerous. Yeah, and then that spreads, right? So if one parent has a bad experience, now they. Now they share that with other parents, and then now the whole community believes it's 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 not a good thing or it's dangerous. So it's it's also the quality of coaching. So parents need to be aware of that too. You just don't take them anywhere. You want to make sure that who you who you trust with your young athlete is has some experience, has developed other athletes. So that's an, that's something that you could ask. Who have you worked with before? How does the coaches move? Judge, how about we put some pressure on the coach? Why don't you critique how well they move? I heard not too long ago, what are some, what are two things, or sorry, three things that you want to look for in a coach? One is how does he move, like you just mentioned. Yes. How does he look? How do, can he do it? Two, who has he developed? Like, sure, you can do it for, you did it to yourself. Like, you were able to build this, uh, build this uh, ability within yourself, but can you replicate it? Or and have you? If you can't, then you're not a good coach. And third, or with uh, un- or not as talented or gifted athletes, yeah. can you develop that athlete? Yeah. And third is, are you knowledgeable? Like, are you are you real? Like, are you? Do you not? Fake it? Are you, is it? Is is this something that you care about? Someone who cares, basically. So those are three things. Can the coach do it? Has he replicated it? And is he genuine? Does he care? So those are three things that I kind of I also agree with when looking for a coach. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to what are some warm ups for each individual sport. I'll talk about just general warm ups. What I like to accomplish. Um, just getting your heart rate up, get moving, not necessarily any static um, stretching at this point. You want to get the body moving. Depending on the sport or the movements for the day, it might be more upper body or more lower body. Uh, For soccer players, do for the most part, most coaches do a good job of uh, getting ankles, calves, hamstrings, quads, internal, external rotation with your hips, uh, I think one thing that gets missed. Coaches do that. Yeah, they do. No, soccer's probably got a good pretty ankles, hips. Up. Yeah, 
Really? Yeah. All right, that's great. I'm happy. I'm happy. Um, I'm really happy to hear that because that's not that's not baseball. They do a pretty good job. Yeah. I understand movement. There's uh, something also sexy to a, a, a soccer warm up. Like if you have watched professional games. Yeah. Right. A little bit. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. You're looking across the field like oh, warm up is on point and everyone is in sync. Uh, do you guys do the the haka dance? Oh, we don't. But Lucas will with his uh, soccer team. Oh my team. god. Um, so they do a good job. What I think gets left out though is uh, trunk stability. No one. It looks a little odd on the field. We usually do it in the gym, but I think that's a huge thing we uh, coaches can start to implement, just like uh, some sort of plank variation, holding a position, right? Because change of direction, you have to keep an upright torso or whenever you're shielding the ball. That's the only suggestion that would, I would have for there. But start moving slowly, and, and then hopefully by the end of it, you're sweating a little bit, your heart rate is up a little bit. If there's anything bugging you at that point, then you can address it more specific. Do you guys have anything for baseball? Or you, you just mentioned that baseball misses on the warm-ups? Yeah, for baseball, it's usually just show and go. Um, <laughs> no. Especially on a Sunday, we show okay. up to, or they show up to a base to a baseball game and they're ready to go. So uh, it's very underdeveloped for the most part. They do some leg swings, some arm circles, Get and out of here. it's right. You're you're ready to play. No. Yeah, I'm telling you, Juan. Um, most warm ups when I grew growing up where you would show up to the field, you probably start throwing because you're waiting for the rest of your teammates. <laughs> You're waiting, so you're, all right, let's just start throwing. And then, boom, before you know it, you're going uh, foul, foul line to the fence. Still Not waiting for your team. No arm swings at all. Maybe you do some arm circles. <laughs> arm circles Wrist beforehand. Circles. Yeah, and then you start throwing. And no. then So then, okay, so that now your whole team's here. You circle up. You go for a jog. You jog to center field. Jog to center, and then you come back, and then you circle it up. And then you go with uh, static stretches. So Shout you, out to hold, all the soccer coaches out there. <laughs> yeah, who do a good job. Um, you, you, you Static stretches. So hold the shoulder across. The, the BS shoulder stretch? Yeah, that one. Um, the butterfly, the hamstring, just just holds. Not even a push-up? And even when they are, like those holds, the hold stretches, the static stretches. Seconds. I would say that's even too long. That's way too long. 30 10, seconds? 10, no, five, 10 second five, 10 seconds maybe. Five, 10 seconds. It's because the blue's yelling. We got to get ready to go. You got to play. Oh, my God. So, you, uh, yeah, that's, that, was, that was my experience. But once you go higher levels, maybe college, now it's a oh, little now more. We can start warming up. It's more formalized if you make it to that level. So that's that's, that's one thing to help minimize the likelihood of injury in these sports is really take pride in your warm up. I think so. Football does a good job too. Then it's like soccer and football. It's it's part of the show. It's part of the culture. It's part of how well your team is organized. The unit is tight. Everyone's in unison. Everyone's focused. I, I'm sorry about baseball. It's just it's just a. A sport thing. I don't know. That's why we have so many injuries in baseball, especially starting now at a younger age. I mean, you have 11, 12, 13-year-olds talking about Tommy John surgery. Like, who does that these days or back in the days? It's it's a reality. And I was I, – I hoped it was it would get better. It's 2017. No. I played back in 2010, 2009. Everyone it, do the math. Yeah. And so they – you know, I asked our younger athletes, 
what they're doing for warm-ups and my sí. jaw drops. It's, yeah. Todo lo mismo. Lo mismo. <laughs> es la misma cosa. And so it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very sad thing because, again, we get blasted for doing what we do. But then when it goes to, when, when you let your athletes on the field do what they do on the field, these sport coaches are actually a little more dangerous. They're doing more harm than good. Why do injuries occur? What is repetitive stress? I know we've dabbled here and there. Let's give a little better response. Uh, overuse and pain felt in the muscles. Um, movements being done over and over. Repetitive so movements. With every sport, there's a dominant side. Right. If you're left-footed, if you're right-footed, lefty, throwy, righty, whatever it is, there's a movement that you do over and over and over again. Uh, and that is how injuries occur with no prevention or rehab, prehab awareness at all. Um, for me, for soccer players specifically, you, for the most part, have a plant foot and a striking foot. Uh, and over a long period of time, thousands of reps, maybe millions, I have no idea. <laughs> Try to figure out how to do the math later. Uh, you're going to pull something if you don't do anything about it. Uh, I think, I don't know what how it is in baseball or football or any other sport, but some soccer coaches try to develop weak foot. Uh, if you do a drill, let's do some on your dominant foot, let's do some on your weak foot, which you have to do at some point if you're trying to play at a high level. You can't just be kicking with one foot. Um, but repetitive stress, same movement over and over with no awareness or effort to balance out your body is going to break down at some point. Yeah, that's it. It's doing the same. It's a very, sports are a very limited demand on uh, specific patterns. So you play baseball, you are, you know, you're going to be throwing overhand. There's no throwing with your other shoulder because you're, trying to win so you can you, know, you can thing. you alternate between playing baseball and softball so you can get rotation both ways or <laughs> i mean that could be a thing but how about we just train the athlete and keep them safe because that doesn't that doesn't necessarily solve the problem Is that's there, actually a that's an approach a lot of people take is have them do other stuff and ignore the actual put a so put the band-aid on but don't address the issue. Yeah. So whose job is it to prevent these injuries from happening? I think this is going to be a combination uh, from everyone. Sport coach needs to know what repetitive motion their athletes do in their specific sport and be able to address it. For example, a soccer coach needs to be able to train their team and their athletes with their dominant and non-dominant side. Um, I think soccer does a good job of Working with all planes of motion, there's rotation, forward, back, uh, et cetera. Uh, I think there is also, obviously, a responsibility in our hands as a strength coach. Um, but I think that's something that we formally and primarily address while training. Uh, and then there's a responsibility with the athlete. Uh, they need, as they grow up and they get in touch with their body, they need to understand what feels right, what doesn't feel right. 
uh, communicate and and say something when anything is bugging them, whether there's aches, if there's pains. Uh, I think regardless of what we say about foam rolling or stretching or massages, uh, there's a very interesting thing that happens when you do that. You map out areas of your body. So, like, for example, if you take a golf ball and you roll out the bottom of your foot, you now start becoming familiar and sensitive to certain parts. And then you could understand, hey, that doesn't feel right. That does feel right. Um, and the more you stretch and foam roll, the better you map out your body at different parts and you can understand, hey, I'm, I'm doing well or I'm starting to get hurt. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes and sense. And mapping out your body. Being aware with your body. You brought up a good point about communicating, athletes communicating any how they feel. A lot of athletes don't communicate things because mm-hmm. it's a mental toughness or they, they want to show that they're tough and they can fight through it. But it's does you no good to it, fight through dumb. knee pain and shoulder pain. It's not going to... You're not being tough. You're just taking years away from, from your career, potentially. So that's a ba- very important thing. We try and stress that with our athletes. Like, communicate. Please let us know. If something's bothering you, It's let us know. This is... But there's a difference between pains and aches. But say, for example, someone slides into your blade and you get hit. Like, that's different than an injury. Like, you go into a tackle, you get hit, shake it off. You're not injured. It's not, like, uh, structural, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, It's more just, like, s- small trauma. Micro trauma. My, and you, okay, you get up, you play on. That's the pain that you push through, not the pain because your ligaments or tendons or muscles are broken down. Yeah. Difference. Yeah, more of this chronic, long-term pain that you wake up. If you wake up with pain in your shoulder... Yeah, no. <laughs> now we're now it's some stuff. If if the if the the kneecap, if the area underneath or surrounding your kneecaps are bothering you when you run and jump, and you just play through it. Don't play through it. Just just put a brace over it and play through it. That's that's not that does not mean you're tough. It's it's lack of the lack of people around you not educating you what it is and lack of understanding of what's going on in your body yeah but, so, it, but it's a team effort it's not necessarily anyone's fault i think everyone needs to be on board and open and needs to be talked about hey if you're hurting say something before it becomes too late do you guys feel that communication should be the same from a sports coach to an athlete than from a strength coach to an athlete i feel like the communication between a strength coach and an athlete's a lot more open I constantly have athletes come into the gym and tell me, hey, my shoulder's hurting, uh, my elbow's bothering me, but then they go over onto the field and they keep their mouth shut the whole time and trying to play through these veins. That's a good point. Yeah, we... Do we we want to play or do we want to be on that seven-day, two-week injury on DL list? That's a good point. Is it it the coach's responsibility to kind of, hey, I don't want to get my... My player's injured and... Yeah, I mean, if he cares, right? These are your boys, your girls. Yeah, th- that's your... That's Do you your, want them to play next year or not? Yeah. There should... You would hope that a coach would, when he sees little Tommy struggling... Or limp. I remember if I saw a limp, go sit down, stop. 
Jump it's up, not worth it. The the little trap little travel ball team Sunday Easter tournament championship. Imagine if the kid gets hurt. Whose fault is that? How bad would you feel? Yeah, the strength coach's fault. <laughs> if they have one, <laughs> they have one. They don't have one. Uh, who is responsible for rehab when injury occurs? This one's a tough one, right? I don't know about you guys, but occasionally get. Hey, I feel you, responsible. Right, but is it your responsibility to fix them? So what I'm getting at is sometimes you might have been approached to where people come to you and like, hey, can you fix me? I, I'm not, that's not what I do. I can guess and I can try to help you, but what we do is prehab stuff so that you don't get there and performance and development based. Once the injury occurs, for the most part, you have to leave that for the professional. What is your guys' opinion? I mean, professional, like, get a physical therapist or your, not your doctor, your physical therapist or someone that you trust that has um, experience with it. Um, we now are also around a bunch of chiropractors that know what they're doing. So just to be clear, not the strength coach's responsibility. We can guess and guide you, but it's not what we're trained to do. Yeah, it's... I, when I have an athlete come in with, and they say that they suffered an injury, I'm, I, I might not have been the reason for the injury, but I feel I need to do the best job I can. And we all right. do. We, we want to, we, we want to help with whatever knowledge we have. And so the, the strength coach needs to understand his place, understand his role. You're not a doctor. You're not, unless you are a doctor, but <laughs> most are not doctors. So don't try and play one. Yeah. Refer them to, and communicate that they need to see a specialist, see a, someone who is trained in ACL recovery. And, and I would also add someone who also trains. That'd be, that'd right. be even they better. understand. What we don't want is for someone to tell them, stop playing. Someone who, a physical therapist or a chiro who plays sports or does weightlifting is going to understand that... They what need, they're doing in the weight room, right. what what they're the actually doing, that is opposed uh, uh, upon this athlete. It goes back to what I said: the three things you want to look for. So, the the someone who knows how to fix themselves, how to fix others, and they know what they're talking about and cares. So, if you're looking for a physical therapist, see, try and find one who's worked with athletes in your sport Not before. Your Not just a general whatever who has no experience with athletes. So if, yeah, that's very important to find someone who, who's worked with ACL issues before, who's worked with rotator cuff issues before. So, Chris, did you want to add anything or should we move on to our regular segments of the week? Let's move on to our segments. Uh, warm-ups or movements you are loving right now. Chris? No, Chris is looking at Ronnie. Oh, so the... I don't have any, but I did want to amend something I said in like a couple episodes ago. Remember when we talked about the slingshot and where you put it and how we were debating whether it should go above, below? Right. We got a lot of questions and comments so off of that. It does matter. It does matter. Does it? Oh, my God. You're funny. It does matter where you place it because it's all leverage. So the higher it goes on your leg, the easier it becomes. Correct. So you said above the knee. Chris and I said below the knee. Like, I go I go above the knee with 
younger athletes because I notice that they're able to walk a little. They, they're able to show me control. Good answer. But in general, in general. We were about to smash you. In general. So that, the reason I bring this up is so people understand that the position of the slingshot matters. Matter. Because. Less or more. So the basic rule is the higher on the body and closer to the hip, the easier it is. The lower, closer basic, to the to the foot, that's it. So I wanted to just just amend that and make it clear. Lately, I've been going um, at the ankles, even on the lateral movements, even with the younger athletes. But can they show control? But but can they show control? <laughs> yes. There we go. That's, how, that's the, what matters. The distance. I cut the distance down so they can show me control. Usually, it's ten yards out, ten yards back. I've been you going. do it with Kane. I haven't had Kane in a while. You think you do? You think you could do it with Kane? He's not there yet. There we go. So you got it. the athlete has to be he's able to show you control. Me. I hope he is. I said he's not there yet. I didn't say he wasn't going to get there. He's not there yet. That's right. So you wouldn't do that right now with him. Not yet. There we go. See, so you want to as long as the athlete is able to show control, then you definitely and okay. So how would you progress it? Would you start at the ankles? Where would you start? Knowing that leverage and the position position of the slingshot matters. That the higher it is, the easier it is. So where would you start with a new athlete? Depends on how strong, how, depends on what their strength is. Where would you start with the athlete, knowing nothing about him? Ronnie, why are you I would angry? start right below the knee. Right below the knee. And then if it doesn't work, where would you go? I would go above. There it is. So w- do I have a bad approach by starting above the knee? No, no, no. All right, then. I did the, so the the, the, the listener, the listener, no one can see your faces. You guys are you. No one can see the faces you guys are making. Why are you yelling? It's six o'clock in the morning. Because you guys were looking at me a certain way. I wasn't liking it. I'm gonna I just want I just wanted to make Jesus. that clear. All right. So the question is: favorite post of the week? Do you have a favorite post? Or are you going to take forever to look one up right now? Like you are? No, I already got one. I got one too. All right, you're up, Ronnie. Complaining is the path of least resistance. Choose the path less chosen. Unending, blinding, passionate work. From who? It's not a repost like last time, is it? Tom, at Tom Bill U. Tom Bill U. (laughs) I don't know, man. You just get free follows or what? I'm not doing this. To, how many followers do you think this guy's going to get right now? Juan, how many followers is this Dude, guy going to get? Strong's on the field bump. You know how He might have just got five, ten more followers just because of this podcast right now. I'll check. Um, I'll count his followers before we get a sponsor. publish this. I'll, I'll take a diaper sponsor. A diaper? Organic diapers. Uh, is that going to count as your quote of the week? Not, uh, yeah, that's it for now. Um, I got one. Tim Grover, don't run from pressure, create it. Don't be scared. Learn from those, learn from that adversity or a hard time. Become bigger, become better. That's all I got. I got one. Don't judge a coach or system strictly on their success. Play Pay close attention to their injury list. Hopefully, lack of injury by Westside Barbell. Right. Shoutouts. Ronnie got a shout-out. Who did I mention in the earlier in the podcast? I mentioned someone. I want to get, give him a shout-out. Come back to me. I forgot who it was. Um, more specifically, shout-out to Harriet Ells. 
Uh, she's been training with me for a while. Um, always down to do whatever I put her through. Always giving me some feedback on some business development. Thank you. Chris, would you have a shout-out? Ronnie lost his shout-outs for the week. I got a shout-out for Max and Brandon from Redondo Union. I saw them play yesterday. They're doing their thing. Um, trying to come in here as much as possible, keeping their grades up. Well, the long practices at work, and somehow, some way, they still figure a way to get in the gym. So shout out to Max and Brandon. Yeah, those Thank guys. Thank you guys. Are good. Uh, this is all we got for the week. You can send <laughs> concerns, questions, feedback at radioduceathletics.com. And I want to give a shout out to Daryl Donerson and Ben Donerson. Those guys are awesome. Um, Daryl is uh, is an athlete who consistently shows up, and he is he's he's a great athlete, but he still puts in the work. He's not satisfied, and just a big shout out to him I, at Cal State Dominguez Hills. Keep doing your thing, Daryl. Would you want? Can you close out the show, please? <laughs> Follow us on show, social media: Deuce Athletics, Deuce Gym. J L G U A D R M A. Aren't you gonna rant? Let's hear the rant. rant. Let's hear your rant. What do you got? Rant. What else are you? I already went. I already went on. You don't got nothing else. That's it. You guys can follow me at C Pasquale Six. <clears throat> Ronnie Lopez Twenty One. Bye.